Hi, you're listening to Celluloid Cards Wallop with James and Gemma. Sit down, enjoy yourself, grab a snack, and have some fun. From the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Adam and Barbara are ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah, you don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Now, the party's over. You put somebody out of the house. I want to get somebody out of your house. <laughs> but the fun has just begun. It's showtime. He's guaranteed to put some life Attention, in your afterlife. Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. And the ghost with most made. Welcome to this week's... What is this called again? It's Celluloid Codswallop. Thank you. Welcome to this week's Celluloid Codswallop. To introduce my co-host James, he's with me as always. Hi, guys and gals. And this week we are going to be reviewing Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yay! Oh, yeah. So, yeah, very iconic film. Also went to a Twitter vote as well with this one. And I think something like 48% of the Twitter votes actually voted for this film. So I thought, well, we can't not do it, can we? So Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there was no pressure there. The fact that I think we both wanted to do it deep down just adds to the mystery, the mystique. Yeah, absolutely. And and I definitely did want to do this film. The other one that was a close second, well, not close second, but it was second, was a film called Idle Hands which we will be reviewing that film. I have sent the DVD to James so that he can uh, he can watch that. So that will be another episode in the future because I really like that film and I know you haven't seen it yet. So What happened at that point? It's held slightly frosted over because it was a film I had not seen. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy that I've seen the film. But yeah, we're thinking possibly get a special guest on to <laughs> actually speak with that one. So that will be nice Ooh. as well. Ooh. So it'd be the three of us. So, but anyway, I digress. On with Beetlejuice. And James, did you want to read the synopsis of the film? After Barbara, who is played by Gina Davis, and Adam Maitland, who is played by Alan Baldwin, die in a car accident, they find themselves stuck haunting their country residence. Unable to leave the house? When the unbearable Dietzes, who are played by Catherine O'Hara and Jeffrey Jones, and their teen daughter Lydia, who's played by Winona Ryder, by the home. The Maitlands attempt to scare them and scare them away, but they do this without success. However, their efforts to trap Beetlejuice, a rambunctious spirit whose help quickly becomes dangerous for the Maitlands and innocent Lydia. Yeah. So, okay, so obviously now we can now talk about the film. So... I think I like, sort of take it away from the take it from the very start. Mm. It starts a very very fluffy light film. <laughs> yes, and you know you've got the very light hearted Danny Elfman type music. You know, typical mm. Tim Burton. Oh, you ever mentioned it's a Tim Burton film? So mm. anybody who doesn't know, it's a Tim Burton film. And obviously, Danny Elfman is his right-hand man, really, mm-hmm. when it comes to the music side of things, isn't he? Oh, he is. This couple, they're getting really, really excited because they've got a two-week vacation. And it sounds like they're just going to be spending the two-week vacation at home. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, you know, away from away from the crowd and everything. Mm-hmm. And you've also got the batty real estate lady who keeps mm-hmm. coming round to try and sell their house from underneath them. So, Because <laughs> mm-hmm. what it is, is the real estate lady is trying to push them to basically, she makes sort of a comment like, uh, it's a really big house, you don't have kids, 
uh, why don't you sell it? But of course, the thing is that obviously the Maitlands want to have kids, but can't. Yeah. Um, and they are obviously trying to use the time, as you said, where they've got some leave to basically do up the house and improve it. And one of the things that's predominantly in the house that uh, Adam is into is uh, his model city, uh, sorry, well, model village, which I think is based on the surrounding area in his home, isn't it? That's like one of his interests. Yes, yes, it is. And uh, it's pretty impressive model, model town as well, isn't it? For, for a supposed amateur who's making a house, yes, it's incredibly yeah. uh, well done. And he, it, it seems that he owns his own hardware shop as well because um, they actually have to go into town because he needs a few supplies. <laughs> and obviously, look at the looking at the name of the the shop. It's called the Maitlands, or it's mm. called Maitland. So it's pretty obvious it's that. It's, but then everything's still light-hearted. This is only like within the first five minutes of the film. Yeah. And then they cross this bridge, which they have to, you know, it's like a covered over bridge, isn't it? To actually drive back and forth to home. And this adorable, cute little dog <laughs> runs out into the middle. <laughs> and so unfortunately, the Maitlands then screeched a halt, go through the side of the, uh, the bridge. And yeah, basically hang there for a few minutes. And then the very, very cute little dog decides to jump off so that they plummet <laughs> to their death. <laughs> it changes the weight ratio. Because yeah. at this point, it, there's nothing about it that would make me think Tim Burton. No. It's the sort of polar opposite of what you would expect from his sort of works. And like, obviously that's the idea, isn't it? They're trying to make it all light and wonderful and fluffy and happy. Yeah. And it is, and yeah, you've got you've got a barber who's just sitting there talking to nobody, <laughs> complaining about having to people with long hair yeah. you just be trimmed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and then the next scene is is that they just literally jump to being back in the house, <laughs> and they're all wet and cold, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they're all sodden, sodden and wet and everything, but. Yeah, they're trying to work out how they actually got home, mm. you know, and they figure they were like, wow, that was, well, that was a near miss, you know, thank God, you know, blah, blah, blah. But mm. it's not until suddenly the things actually begin to give them ideas that they mm. have actually passed on, like they can't see each other in the mirror, mm -hmm. for example. And Barbara's fingers are on fire at one point as well. And she's like, oh. <laughs> So still, still very light-hearted at this point. Mm. It, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, this film is kind of light-hearted in a sense anyway, isn't it? It's not a typical horror-horror mm. film. It isn't. But. It isn't. It certainly isn't a horror-horror film. It's, it's more comedy horror, but it's still brilliantly uh, put together. Yeah, definitely. And then the biggest clue is when they tried to step out of the door, mm -hmm. they go into this... <laughs> real creepy world where uh i don't know what that big snake is called i don't know if it's got... is it sandworms oh sandworms yeah, yeah. that's right yeah because uh yeah you get a clip of uh beetlejuice reading a newspaper and uh <laughs> you know <laughs> sandworm, sandworm uh attacks are up sort of thing yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> you realize that although adam only feels like he's been gone for like two minutes he actually had been gone for two hours mm -hmm. definitely the you know the contrast of the words but at uh, the worlds but you also realize at that point that they there's no way that they can actually leave the house they're stuck mm. there completely well I, I always think that around this stage with the sort of darkness and so they go into that strange world with the sandworms it to me is the first sort of indicator you're in tim burton's world of weird Yes. Yeah, definitely you're inside of his mind again. <laughs> yeah, and I love I love Tim Burton. Oh, yeah. I love every I single film that he's ever brought out. Well, I reckon my favourite of his is Batman Returns. Yeah. Which again links into a uh, Beetlejuice in some respects. So. Okay, we well, have to uh, well, how is that because I can't I can't see that connection, so Beetlejuice himself. Oh, of course. Indeed. Yes. Yeah, because Michael Keaton is mm. um, plays both characters. Yes, sorry, I thought you meant I thought you meant the 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 actual characters, no. you know, like within the film, no, um, not, not the actors. Yes, yeah, so that is a that is a good connection to them. And yeah, like I I sort of touched upon earlier that Beetlejuice is reading a newspaper, and he goes at one point he says, "Oh right, so I need to need to find a job." 
And so he goes to the obituary page. <laughs> you know, finds uh, finds the you know recently deceased basically. <laughs> Trying to find legitimate work, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously stumbles across an, the obituary of the Maitlands, and that's when he gets the idea that he decides that he's going to quote unquote help them. And it, it is definitely quote unquote. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn sandworms, 13%. Well, I better find a job. Let's see, business section. Ooh la la, what do we got here? The Maitlands, huh? <laughs> Cute couple. Look nice and stupid, too. <laughs> But up until that point, it's kind of, it, like I said, it's very fluffy and everything. But up until the point of when he gets introduced is when it starts going a little bit, a little bit creepier and a little bit wackier as well, mm. isn't it? So Definitely. I may be going ahead of myself here, but obviously they find, I think it's the book, don't they? It gives, it's oh, like yes. a manual to tell them all about the afterlife. Because Adam makes the point, it reads like stereo instructions. Yeah. Because the problem they face is that the Deetses move in towards the Maitland's house because they were, for a while, quite happily hiding out in the loft. And the Deetses take over, and the problem they have is the Deetses basically just want to gut the house, don't they, and change it. Yeah. 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 The wife does, definitely. Um, yeah. The husband, not so much. He's not too bothered. Mm. And you've got then Lydia. Their, li- their little goth daughter. Yeah, complete goth. Yeah. A little bit emo as well before the time mm. of emo, but definitely emo and by today's standards. Uh, yeah, and she sort of sits at dinner with a black veil <laughs> over her. <laughs> it's like she's in mourning for life, really, isn't it? With her. Yeah, she, she basically holds this view that, uh, everything's sort of pointless and life is terrible and, yeah, and she has a diary, uh, not a diary, but <laughs> oh, she yeah. writes, she writes notes, doesn't she? And it's like, it's very dark, dark it's stuff. Discussing how awful life is and crossing things out and think about killing herself and just feeling terrible at everything. And she is, while the, the weird and wonderful things being done to the house, she goes to take a picture, uh, and she's the only one who, well, she sees something, doesn't she? She sees like movement or sees the ghosts in the loft. Yeah. Goes to find out what's going on. Because I think they tried to scare them wearing sheets and things, and it had just been absolutely inconsequential because nobody could see them. So they're trying yeah. to do things like ripping off the faces and scaring people, and nothing <laughs> works at all. No, nothing works at all. However, before that, when the Dietzes were actually me- uh, moving in, hmm. Lydia did actually see the Maitlands yeah. in the window. Yeah, it's the camera, um, isn't it? Yeah, she's got a. A camera with a, a long lens. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So she, she kind of, you know, she's a little bit suspicious at that point, really. Mm-hmm. And then because the attic is locked, they have to get a skeleton key for that room. Lydia puts the key in the door to try and open it. But of course, the ghosts are holding it, you know, like trying for mm-hmm. her not to open it. Then they just push the key back through the door as well, don't they? So it yeah, drops Adam, to the floor. Adam, Adam <laughs> forces it back out and it just hits the floor, doesn't it? Yeah, so obviously, like, screaming signs that there's definitely either a real-life person behind those doors or there's actually a ghost behind those doors. <laughs> At this point, I think it's that they decide that they need some help because, mm. like you said, they had already tried to do a few things, like with the sheets and cutting each other's heads off and <laughs> face removal because they make the comment don't they what's the point of being a ghost if you can't scare anybody yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so they refer back to their manual which is called the recently deceased and to get into the is it called is it the afterlife i'm assuming it would be the afterlife yeah i'm not quite yeah. sure what what it's called with them but basically it's there it's like purgatory isn't it the afterlife and purgatory yeah, and also massive waiting room as well, isn't it, basically? Uh, they actually have to draw a door on the mm. wall 
And, uh, yeah, as soon as they sort of put the, the door, the doorknob on and like turn it, you know, <laughs> then it begins to open and they can pass through into this, uh, into this other, other realm. Yeah. Yeah. This other realm. That's a good word. Well done. The ghosts on the other side, they're all sort of a bit shocked that they're already there after only being dead for three months, you know, <laughs> mm. and they get a caseworker. <laughs> caseworker and a half yeah do you remember her name at all or? Uh, i don't but i know she was used in other tim the actress was used in other tim burton films um, she was in uh a last film might have been an entire last film but she was in uh, mars attacks oh okay but she has what you get to see is with these people is how everybody has died and in her case at some point she must have slit her throat because she's smoking, you can just see smoke constantly escaping yes. from her throat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> which is obviously, um, which is obviously lovely. <laughs> it's not an image. Yeah, and she's got football players with her as well, isn't she? Yeah, who don't believe, who can't fathom what's going on, they think she's their coach. Yeah, yeah. It's like, coach, could we just go to the bathroom? <laughs> and it's like, I'm not your coach. <laughs> yeah, he survived the accident. Yeah. <laughs> and you've also got the receptionist as well. Oh, Miss Argentina. Yes, indeed. And her real name is Patricia Marte- uh, Martinez? Mm. Martin Martinez. Martinez, yeah. Martinez, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In true Gemma fashion, I'm uh, doing the names all justice. And uh, yeah, so she's she's there sort of cracking jokes and things like that at one point they make a reference to the fact that when you cut your wrists then you become like a service worker mm, yeah. on the other in the past life so that's why she's a receptionist basically because you know she's off to her own life you know mm. yeah the idea is she's been there since like 1939 or something yeah you want a cigarette oh no thank you I'm trying to cut down myself This is what happens when you die. That is what happens when he dies. And that is what happens when they die. It's all very personal. And I'll tell you something. If I knew then what I know now, I would have had my little accident. Uh, Meeting, party at two. Take the handbook and go to the sixth door. Oh, we forgot our handbook. Hmm. Come on! All new arrivals report to waiting another eight. Like four nine is arriving. How do I look? There are no mirrors on this side. I look fine. Yeah? Fine. Thanks. I've been feeling a little flat. (laughs) (laughs) And so when they are going down. I think actually before they actually go to meet the caseworker, they stumble across a room where there's a lot of spirits that are just Mm. floating around. And that's basically the afterlife's afterlife, isn't it? Mm. So that's for all of the spirits that have ever been... James, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, Well, would that not be purgatory? They're they're, they're being held in like limbo. Yeah, but um, when they've been removed from the house sort of thing. Oh right, exercised. Yeah, so yeah, when they've been ex- uh, when they've been, yeah, so they're the exercise ghost basically, and yeah, they're just you can just see them just all floating around, and they're just so sad looking, mm. you know. <laughs> they're pretty fed up looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like yes, it's, it's literally complete nothing nothingness, isn't it? Mm. It certainly is. Yeah. It's not where you would want to be, to put it absolutely mildly. No. No, not at all. Yeah, so when they meet up with the coach, like you said, she was obviously some sort of, uh, she obviously died of smoking. Mm-hmm. Of, well, I think uh, she slashed her own throat, is the idea, because that's why the smoke's ah. gas- 
That's why she's got this job, and that's why she will have killed herself and the smoke's billowing out of her throat. Ah, that's a good point. Do you know why? Because I was actually thinking that maybe it was like a... Tracheotomy, sort of. Yeah, like yeah. a tracheotomy. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's actually kind of what I was thinking. But actually, now you say that, definitely, is the fact that she actually slit her own throat. So mm. that's why she's there. Yeah, I get it now. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because it's not until you actually start speaking about things that mm. you actually realise, hold on a minute, that is actually the reason why. So... Well, it yeah. took me a while to twig it. To be fair, when I first watched the film, I, mean, I don't think I even really noticed her throat that much. No, I don't think I noticed it until this time, to be honest, because I was watching it on the purpose of actually uh, talking about it. Mm. Yeah, so... <laughs> and she advises against going with uh, Beetlejuice, mm. doesn't she? She strongly recommends, you know, he used to be my assistant. Please mm. don't use him. You know, he's terrible. He's a terrible person. Well, yeah, he just seems like a loose, too much of a loose cannon, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so they go off and they try to do their own haunting, which goes horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> Although they do have an excellent, uh, excellent scene at a dinner table, don't they? Ew, ew. <laughs> Daylight come round, they want to go home. <laughs> And then they all start singing and dancing. The only person who doesn't is Lydia. Yeah, they possess them, don't they? And this is the first time when they properly believe that they've got a ghost. Yes, yes. And of course, as naturally the living do, <laughs> they want to make the most of it. And they want to uh They want they want financial gain, don't they, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So at one point, like the prawns come out and they sort of suck, you know, like come out as hands, don't they, and uh, suck them on the face, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, they pull was, them down to the dish, don't they? That is definitely funny. <laughs> and, <laughs> so they go off then. The Maitlands go off then, and they celebrate the fact that they they'd done it. They think they've won at this point. They think, yeah. yes, brilliant. They're going to be scared. They're going to leave, and that's going to be it. Until obviously anybody else moves in, because hmm. they well, ideally they, they, want. They, yeah, they think they'll be completely gone, don't they? Yeah, because they didn't mind the fact that people would be living in their houses, but they wanted somebody that was similar to them who would respect the work they've done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And obviously, this other family, they just don't, they don't respect it at all, do they? So. Oh, certainly not. They completely gut it. And this is where you really start to see with Catherine O'Hara's character. The real influence of Tim Burton is his wild, wacky stuff come to life in, in oh, uh, all its giant glory. Yeah, just to talk about her artwork and things. It, is that where you're going with that? Yeah, or? it's completely yeah. bonkers, isn't it? And it and is. To rip things out and, yeah, they completely trash the house, basically. Oh, yeah, they trash the house, but I was being in, like, her actual, oh, her actual like, artwork yeah. that she did. And weird chairs. Yeah, yeah, crazy chairs and that that big green spiky thing as well, whatever that was. <laughs> mm. You're looking to the mind and design ideas of Tim Burton. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, when when they're actually moving in, one of the movers is uh, she's sort of like, "Oh, be careful that that's my <laughs> art," you know. Uh, please put it on the table, and he just flings it on the table, and she's like, oh, oh, and just stands it up, you know, and it all woggles around, and yeah, it's it's definitely extreme. <laughs> so anyway, go back to the Maitlands. They they are celebrating at this point. They think that they've won. They think that they, you know, they're going to be moving out. Of course they are. Then they get a knock on the door, and it's Lydia mm. who says to them, they want you know, to see you. <laughs> yeah. They want you to come down and speak to them and seen as the, the grown-ups just sitting around saying, oh my God, that was amazing. We can make millions out of this and so forth, basically. Mm, and have so, tours and things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, tours. And yeah, the ideas are endless, basically, aren't they, at this point? So they realise that they haven't won. They haven't, mm. you know, all they've done is draw attention to them, not actually do the desired effect so which is obviously very disappointing mm. now this is when beetlejuice comes into it mm. and it's yeah. interesting that although he's the main character i think he's what it's quite far into the film isn't it before he appears and that's something that really surprised me yeah as a child because well 
I'd never, I expected him to be more prominent in it, prominent in it. And I'd already, as a child, I'd always seen posters in the local cinema for it, but not knowing what it was. And that's mm. when I was probably about eight. So I was too young to see it. But when I finally saw it when I got older, I was like, wow, he's takes this long for him to come into it. And he's living in the model village. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they get sucked into the, the model village as well, do, don't yeah. they? And they have to go, there's like a grave with his name above. But I, one thing I've never understood, and I don't know if you do, mm. why is Beetlejuice spelt different? Um, I'm not overly sure. I think they were saying that they wanted to give this sort of German expression, uh, expressionist okay. style feel. But to say as Beetlejuice would, the way we see it written through in the poster, it's simply just easier for people to understand and tra- translate. Yeah, I believe it's like that's the Beetle idea. Geist, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, because I, I never understood that. I never understood why, why it was different. Unless it's because they, when they were all the same size, if it had said Beetlejuice three times, none of them would have got out. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking that one, but you know, they would never have got out of the model village. Cause obviously the, the idea is, is that you have to call his name three times. You do. Well, first of all, you have to dig him up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, oh, God, when he comes out of that grave, he's the most vile and disgusting. Oh, it's just like... (laughs) It's like kissing everybody and whatnot, and it's all these, like, you know, like he's all got green and stuff on his face, and it's like, oh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but as he says, you know, we all we shop at the same place. We you know, wear the same clothes. We like the same women. <laughs> yeah, and then you just get the impression that he's like a dirty, dirty, yeah. you know, literally dirty, gross, smelly, horrible thing, don't you? Well, they said the idea is that he's been around for a very long time as well, uh, yeah. and they reckon that's one of the reasons why he wears this. That I think if I remember Keaton and. Burton, they discussed it, said the idea is that he's a character who's been around for an awfully long time, and it sort of reflects in his clothing, because the this, this striped suit is mm-hmm. almost like a prison suit for him. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is, yeah. But he's certainly far from being a nice character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he comes across all lovey-dovey, you're like, to win them over, but then when he's sort of unleashed... He's just like a he's like a naughty child in a way, isn't he? He's not really sinister, <laughs> yeah. but well, they also said that the fact. I mean, I like the fact that he, his view on The Exorcist is that he's seen it 167 times and it just keeps getting funnier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. He comes out of the board. Um, out of the. I want to say. I want to keep saying board, but it's a model. Well, it's kind of like a board, so yeah. Yeah, but he comes out of the, you know, model town, then all hell breaks loose, basically, doesn't it? So. Certainly uh, does. Yeah. He turned, I remember him being a snake. Yes. Prior to that, when he's trying to get him to work with him, he turns, like, he creates one of the, he turns one of the things on the model village into a whorehouse. Um, no, if you, re- if you remember rightly, that was mm. actually the caseworker who did that. Turn into a whole house. Yeah, she turned it into that because he, oh, she wanted occupied. to distract him <laughs> while she spoke to the Maitlands. Ah, right. Because she's she was trying to say, yeah. please don't, you know, you need to don't not use, use him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that would be, you know, one way of actually distracting him, you know. Mm. <laughs> well, it certainly is. And he also abuses them with a nice fucking model line, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The three over. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I can actually answer the question why he's called Beetle Geiss on the name. It's actually named after the star in Orion, the Orion star. So, Okay. But I'm assuming just for simple ease they called him Beetle Juice. So. Ah, okay. Oh, well, that's good That's good to know because like, it's always puzzled me, that one. Mm. I mean, I've always got Google at my fingertips and for some reason I've never wanted to Google it. So, But, yeah, it has always been sort of at the end of my mind, you know? Mm. Where it starts going wrong is that the Dietzes are trying to use one of their friends to exercise the spirit of the Maitland from the house. Yes. And it begins to go horribly, horribly wrong. And Lydia goes to try and save them and help them 
because you usually sort of see them and they just start decomposing and yeah. I think the body start decomposing in quite a cool special effect but something that I'm sure will be very scary so she goes to Beetlejuice who explains that you know they have to say his name three times yes and that's the point where all hell breaks loose and he comes up with the great line of it's showtime which yeah. is, uh, <laughs> is lifted from, I think, like a very old 1930s film. And then it gets mad. It gets really, really mad. Because what they also have is their friends who are there, one who's played by the the, the late Robert uh, Goulet, the singer. And he suddenly becomes like a carnival attraction for them. Like one of those things where you test how strong you can hit a weight and he ends up throat blowing these two people through the roof. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. But then the really most infamous thing, it becomes a snake-style character. He and does. He's chasing yeah. the various people around the house, especially Ortho. Yeah. He's the guy who's been trying to do the exorcism. Yeah, and he sort of jumps out the window, doesn't he? Like, running off, you know, terrified and everything, you know. Well, he, he turns his clothes into some sort of weird clothing, doesn't he? Weird clothing? Ortho, he sort of, like, fires at him and turns his clothes into some sort of weird, like, safari suit-style thing. Oh, and, yes, uh, it yeah. terrifies him and he runs off. He's horrified by it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's such a typical gay man, isn't it? It's like not the not the snake that's... Um, no. And sorry sorry to any gay listeners, I'm not being stereotypical, I promise. But, it, you know, with regards to this character, he was. But, you know, it's kind of like he could have thrown anything at him, but changes, changes outfit into something awful. <laughs> yeah, something even more bizarre than he was wearing originally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But then that's when sort of the Maitlands get upset with Beetlejuice yes. when he actually then goes after Lydia because mm. they're very protective of her, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Because the deal he's sort of struck is that if you say his name three times, he'll appear. If you say his name three times, he'll vanish. Mm. And he tries to basically get her to marry him. Yes. Where she's strangely dressed in red, not white. But <laughs> but then she's a goth girl, yes. so she would probably, you should pr- probably prefer that, wouldn't she? I think it's something to, the, to do with the red and dead sort of comments as well, so. Yeah, that's also a good call. But he couldn't tell her his name. No. She had to guess what it was, yes. and then there was, oh, the yeah, visual, there was like a, a beetle, a, dr- a glass of <laughs> orange juice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beetle, beetle, drink, (laughs) beetle, orange. (laughs) Let's go, call a ceremony. Do you, beetle? (laughs) Nobody says the B word, come on. Do you take this woman to be your wedded wife? Jeez, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a big decision, isn't it? I mean, I always said if I ever did it, I was going to do it once, and that was it. Well, sure, yeah, go ahead. And you, do you, Lydia, take this man? No, be Oh, she's a little bit nervous. Uh, maybe I should answer for her, okay? I'm Lydia Dietz, and I'm of sound mind. The man next to me is the one I want. You ask me, I'm answering. Yes, I love that man of mine. And also, he, he turns all the furniture into weird things, doesn't he? That like hold them hostage. Yes, yeah, and that's when that um, that green spiky statue sort of like impale not impales the mum, but I suppose it is impaling in a way, isn't it? That you know, like she's kept back; she can't, you know, move at all. Yeah, it wraps around her, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and pins her to the wall. I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll say it pins her to the wall. So, mm-hmm. people, if you've watched this film and uh, you want to correct me, feel free to. That that would be good. <laughs> now, what everybody needs to get married is a minister, clearly. And yes. Beetlejuice pulls it together brilliantly because he creates a minister. Well, I don't know, he does something weird to the fireplace and some creature with an oversized head comes out as the, and is their minister. <laughs> Uh, and the yeah. problem the problem with this is is that of course when it comes to doing the service, you know, you have to say, Do you and he doesn't want his name Beetlejuice saying so he's like Wah! and covers uh he goes, We don't sort of say that. He goes, Do you take this person and Lydia's trying to say Beetlejuice, so he covers her mouth and starts speaking on her behalf. Yeah. He, it's with her voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> I do so love this man of mine, yeah. but then obviously the Maitlands are well I'd say better but they're showing slightly improvement and uh, 
they try and say his name and he sends is it Adam? Yeah, he sends Adam in back into the shrinks him and sends him back into the, the small world of the uh the model town and he then puts a bolt thing of some sort over or a zipper of some sort over Gene Davis's character's mouth, which he then unzips it again and he like throws a ball at her. Uh, yeah. Which becomes a metal cover in her mouth. But he does this brilliant <laughs> when he throws it. So, well, once you don't say his name. <laughs> yeah, so obviously they try all they can. And they eventually do manage to say his name. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. What actually happens is they don't. I don't think they actually manage it. They're, they're trying. They both end up being sent into, we'll call it the worm world. Oh, no, sorry, that's his right. Gina Davis's character gets sent into the worm world, you know, the, the weird place where all the giant sandworm things are. Yes. And she manages to ride one because Adam Baldwin's character is driven like a little model car at his foot, which has burst into flames and causing problems. He's dancing around it and then suddenly the giant worm comes, attacks Beetlejuice. He gets sent off to the funny world, doesn't he? To the afterlife. Yeah, because um, that's what, that's what I was actually going to say. I thought I thought that that was the next bit. So yeah, he mm. goes back there. But the interesting thing is, the Deeks and the Maitlands all constantly see each other, and they all end up trying to find like a peace and and working together. So the film sort of gets near its conclusion, where the Maitlands have part of the house that looks like they used to have it. I think they live in the loft still, aren't they, or something? Uh, and the Deeks are still getting on with their weird renovation stuff. But they're all sort of managing to get on. And the Maitlands, who had uh, obviously at some point wanted children, end up sort of like semi-adopting Lydia and uh, helping her with her, uh, making sure she passes her maths test correctly. Yes, yes, she does. Basically, the promise is is that she's going to be able to be dancing Mm. up in the air, basically, isn't it? It possesses her. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, possesses, but kind of like, uh, you know, like she's with it as well. So she... Yeah, you just yeah, levitate. She... Okay, maybe just levitates, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, levitates is probably the better word. Yeah. But also, yeah, the other character as well, I was just thinking of is the guy with the shrunken head. <laughs> the headhunter guy, yeah. Yeah, it's like the people in the waiting room. Mm. They are fantastic. Yeah, it goes to the final scene, doesn't it? Yeah. The headhunter. Yeah, and the man whose head was shrunk. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, because they're all in there at the very beginning as well, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, or most yeah. of them, if not all. And yeah, there's like a a guy that's potentially an Indian. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Beetlejuice decides that he is going to distract him and uh, swap yeah, he the tickets steal, around. He steal his ticket tape, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he he gives him 9,409 or whatever. <laughs> the next number is number four, which is the number he has. Yeah, he was clearly the guy, uh, the Indian, is clearly the person who has actually been shrinking people's heads with <laughs> magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beetlejuice always t- also touches this woman's leg who's been selling it half in an accident. Yeah. <laughs> the magician's yeah. assistant. <laughs> yeah, and he gets beaten up by her as well, mm. doesn't he? <laughs> oh, it's such a good film. I love this film so much. Well, it's uh, the film itself is quite amazing because it is just it sort of really sort of launched uh, Michael Keaton to even bigger heights than he was previously because he'd obviously done comedy, but he'd I don't think I think this was the one this and Batman were the big ones that got him into people's psyche and it was one of the very early films for Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis she the pair of them looking very young uh, in Alec Baldwin's case very thin mm. probably wasn't dying his hair jet black either so he seemed like his natural hair and then you look at uh, Catherine O'Hara very well known comedian from uh, I think it was maybe not Saturday Night Live but something of that sort going to work and then Jeffrey Jones before things went very badly wrong for him through his undoing I must add uh, but also, well, to be facing with own rider before things went a bit wrong for her from things of her own doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's been arrested, and mm. because she was getting into character, <laughs> yeah. So, honest, <laughs> because that's what we do. We we just rob from stores when we're getting character. Eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do have to say though, I do like Winona Ryder. Oh, I think as an brilliant. actress. Yeah, 
think she's yeah. brilliant. The sad thing is, I like Jeffrey Jones as an actor. I just don't like what he did in his spare time. So, mm, oh, I don't really know the background with yeah. that one. Not, so. not very nice. No, photographing kids and horrible stuff oh, like that. Oh no, so his career is well and truly over. Oh well, that's good because mm. people people like that don't deserve don't no. deserve a career. No, so true. No, that's good. I'm glad that I didn't know that in a way. <laughs> you ruined it. No, I'm joking. I know. Um, Destroyed the film forever. I'm a bad man. Yeah, I will never watch this film again now. No, <laughs> no, no, I'll still watch the film. But, uh, you know, because it is, it is one of the classics. So, But also, just recently, it's been announced as well that Beetlejuice is going to become a Broadway show as wow. well. Do you think you yeah. go Hawaiian? Hawaiian. Well, the original... Suppose the sequel was Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And oh, okay. <laughs> make a film sequel. Because they were discussing it with Kevin Smith and he was like, really? You know, do we need that film? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't need that film. <laughs> we don't need that film at all. <laughs> but I have heard rumours that are looking to make a sequel, so it'd be quite interesting to see what they would do with that. Yeah, well, I think it's possibly that it's going to be the... The Broadway show is probably going to be the way forward. Hmm. I think my friend Lucy, I understand, like, I think I saw her posting on Twitter that she was actually going to be going because she's in New York at the time. And it's between October 14th and November 18th. And yeah, God, I I would love, I would absolutely love to go and watch that as a stage show. I think it would be incredible. I think it could be very good. I've had to think about it. I think I have seen some pictures that have been released with regard to that. I think that could be very good. I mean, you've had things like uh, the work that was done when they turned Groundhog Day into a musical, and that's been phenomenally successful. So, yeah, I think it could be yeah. very good. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed it does work out, and hopefully it'll be like a, a UK show of mm. it as well. So that'll be quite good in London or wherever, you know. But it's it's interesting with Beetlejuice, when I sort of think how much it does tie into my childhood, because... Yeah. When I went to the local cinema, well, we only had one screen, you know, which is how it was in those the olden days, you know, these multiplex things, uh, yeah. multi-screen things. Yeah, they used to always have posters up, frame posters, and it's one of these cinemas that had a balcony area as well. So you had upstairs with all these posters, and when there was a bar and things, frame posters, one of them was Beetlejuice, I always remember seeing it, not knowing what it was at all, but thinking, wow, that looks brilliant. What could that be about? When I got older, I was lucky enough to be able to see it. But it was completely different to anything that I expected it to be. But it was a hell of a film. I mean, it is still a hell of a film. And I actually saw it in a cinema a few years ago with one of my friends. And it was absolutely packed to the rafters mm. for people wanting to see it. it show, yeah, it shows it still has a huge audience. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Because in 1988, this came out. So mm. what's that? Uh 30, 30 yeah. years? Yep. Yeah, yeah, so correct. it's 30 years old. That was good math. Oh, Very keeping good. that in, that was proud. I'm proud. <laughs> well done. I mean, it, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're doing far better than I could ever do on it. Trust me. But I, I mean, it just has some great lines, doesn't it? Like the, hey, how are you? And um, other things that, he's, uh, that he does in it. Yeah. I just love it as a film. And when you look at I mean, I look at some, a few little pictures from it online as we speak. And, it scares me the most is how young everybody looks yeah yeah absolutely i'll be honest as well i, I know that obviously now alec baldwin plays adam maitland yes but it took me quite some time to actually realize it was him yeah yeah he told, yeah. It, i mean the sad thing is he's you know a lot fatter and older now but oh yeah obviously image wise i sort of knew him best from things like the shadow uh and Hunt for Red October. So probably a sign of very good acting as well. They made him look so markedly different. He played such a different character. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Compared to other, you know, films that he's been in mm. before yeah. and after that. And he obviously was in Saturday Night Live before that as yes. well, wasn't he? So. Yeah. And it's like when you look at Gina Davis. I mean, she, again, you can tell it's her, but she does look very different. It's not a character, sort of character you saw her play very much. With the other people, with Catherine O'Hara, she's probably more well-known to people. I think it was Second City if she was in, actually. She's more well-known to people, really, for doing Home Alone, playing the mother in that. Yes, that's it. Obviously, when I was watching it, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I recognise her from, you know, somewhere. But that is definitely mm. the film that she's from. But like even now, I'm just looking at the sort of I am... Oh, well, not IMDb, but you know that it's sort of um, a Google search, and it's come up with her image. And even now, 
she still looks exactly the same as what she did yeah, in the she does yeah in the in the film itself so yeah so she I mean I've I've yeah she's very good. oh she's been in quite a few um Tim Burton films as well mm. she's been in um Barney's Night Before Christmas surely that uh, surely that's Night Before Christmas I don't know <laughs> it must be something yeah yeah mm. and and also fun fact and this is me kind of gloating a little bit but. With mm-hmm. regards to like Tim Burton, I was gloating, but also I'm very, very envious as well. My my cousin actually works alongside Tim Burton. Wow! She makes loads of like the little figurines, the little um all the stop motion stuff. Yeah, wow. yeah, she does, and she she worked on um, Frank and Weenie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that one. Yeah, my cousin is incredibly talented mm. I, you know like i'm not just i'm not just saying that because she's related to me or anything like that like literally i almost if she wasn't related to me she'd be a person i'd hate because she's so good <laughs> <laughs> you know but uh yeah she she managed to i think it was like sew this little outfit which was the size of a 50 pence pizza. And if I can get any images, I'll try and put them up on Twitter. I'll see if she doesn't mind giving me a few little pictures. But even it's like all the little characters and stuff like that, you know, she she made them all out of, you know, like clay, whatever it is that they make them out of. And uh, yeah, so she's been working with him for quite a while. That's pretty damn amazing. Yeah, so I think it's at least three years. It's all on and off because she's freelance. Mm. So, so she's not you know, purely with him. Mm-hmm. Anytime that another project like that is coming up, then I think he, you know, either sort of like says, you know, do you want to come back to work for me again on projects? And of course she says yes, because oh. she's not stupid. <laughs> yeah, clearly she's doing something right then. Yeah. But Frank and Weenie was actually the first film that she actually did characters on. Cool. For- with him so so yeah so anything from that so well when it comes to jeffrey jones i mean put aside the issues he's had he was in an awful lot of stuff very good actor. He was actually in Hunt for adult toe with alec baldwin as well but he was probably best known or he's probably still best known really for the pipe ferris bueller's day off where he played the principal ah uh, yes yeah watched that film just recently mm. as well and I think that needs to be a film that we actually cover. I would agree. Uh, I'd agree. Uh, right. Okay. Well, if you're happy to, I'm happy to end the episode there. I think we've covered everything we can on it. Yeah, absolutely. We spoiled it rotten for everybody. And uh, again, it's a 30 year old film. So I apologize if this has been a bit of a spoiler alert for you. Maybe we should have said it at the beginning of the episode, not at the end of the episode. <laughs> That's what we do. We dissect films, so yeah. Well, you know, every every other week we do definitely. Mm. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode and you fancy leaving us maybe a five star rating on iTunes, because I haven't asked for this for a while, mm-hmm. so yeah, head on over to iTunes if you're an iTunes listener and leave us a five star review. That would be absolutely lovely. If you've got anything other than a five-star review, you know, keep it to yourself. That'd be great. (laughs) And also follow us on Twitter at CodswalletPod and also on Facebook and Instagram Mm. as well. Yes, please. And follow my ridiculously weird Twitter handle. Yeah, which I was actually thinking the other day that uh, if you... Because <laughs> I, I was almost like, I really want to get hold of your Twitter <laughs> and just for like two seconds, just to change that over for you, so it's something easier. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm kind of famous for the weirdness now. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like the weirdness now as well. So it's kind of like, uh, actually, I probably ruin it. So I was reading it last night on the radio, going H O F one what what one one four. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone sort of like go, what? It's uh, a slight surprise, I'm going to be honest, but I, I, I think it, they, they understood it anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, they probably didn't, James, to be honest. Probably not, no. But, you know. <laughs> no. that might, do you know when they said we've got like, all these thousands of people listening to it? Maybe they just kept re-listening to the number, trying to follow it. Yeah, that was it, maybe. <laughs> and did you want to sort of recap on to... What you actually did last night. Yeah. So um, if anyone is uh, able to listen to it, if you go onto YouTube or Facebook, you will be able to find this. But I would predominantly recommend YouTube. I was on the Village Connection radio. and I was on Chasing Fruit Loops, 
with Jerry, where I basically talked about myself. I talked about my interest in films and music, but I also do an awful lot of talking about talking Codswell up uh, and discussing what we do, where you can find us. I really tried my best to shoehorn that in as much as possible. Glad you have this evening, and I'm glad that you have fun with it. So thank you ever so much for listening to this week's Celluloid Codswallop. And that's a wrap. Indeed it is. This thing reads like stereo instructions. Sounds like what you got an A in the math test. Thank you, buddy.